Hi, this is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nest Tsunami podcast. Last week, Donna Cryer took over the podcast so I could have time on vacation. We are offering three conversations from her podcast on broadening patient participation and increasing engagement in clinical trials. In this conversation, Donna and her panelists, social media maven and metadata vice president Alicia Staley, NORX chief medical officer James Powell, and Global Liver Institute global head of NASH programs Jeff McIntyre, discuss critical factors in building a culture that encourages patient participation. As you'll hear, the tactics they use for patient engagement might be things that you're thinking about right now, but some of them were certainly novel to me. This isn't exactly your typical Surfing Nash episode, but there's a tremendous amount to learn here. So sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the discussion on our LinkedIn and Facebook discussion groups. Green on vacation, he invited Donna Cryer, founder and CEO of the Global Liver Institute, to lead Surfing Nash this week. Donna's guests are Jeff McIntyre, director of Nash programs at the Global Liver Institute, patient advocate and breast cancer social media pioneer Alicia Staley, and Dr. James Powell, a national thought leader on recruiting clinical trial patients from underserved communities. Join them as they discuss keys to creating diverse representative patient populations for Nash trials this week on Surfing the Nash Tsunami. Dr. Powell, one of the things that you said about highly incentivized informed patients in breast cancer, I, I think a lot, it stems, Alicia, from your work, creating that culture of participation in breast cancer, that expectation that you should seek out information. There are places making it easy for people to find credible information. But that expectation on that part of what it means to be a breast cancer patient, that started somewhere. So how did you evolve that expectation, that culture of participation in clinical trials? That's a great question. Question. I started BCSM, which is the hashtag community, breast cancer social media. One of our key tenants that we really tried to embrace was this concept of empowerment through education and just allowing people to truly have a better understanding of what they're dealing with. I was really surprised when I first started in the breast cancer community as an advocate, how little people understood about the disease that they were facing, that they didn't feel like they had the opportunity or even, dare I say, the right to ask questions about what they were going through, that they just felt like if the doctor's given me the diagnosis, the doctor knows best, and it's up to me to just to show up. And you sort of challenge through consistent education or opportunities to continue to learn about your disease. I think you start building a better understanding of what works for you personally and what works for you in terms of either your treatment plan or your recovery plan. And from that, it's just natural to develop a state of curiosity about what could be better. How, how can I make this experience better? And when I'm asked to go and speak to other communities about how do we fix clinical trials or how do we better engage the community, I always suggest start with just consistent touch points with your community around education and awareness. And if in the case of NASH, please correct me if I'm wrong, but there are some instances where people even know that they're dealing with that 
condition. So that in and of itself presents an incredible challenge for education and awareness. So how do you do that in a way that's respectful for the communities of people that might be dealing with this condition and do it in a way that piques their interest and gives them resources, gives them comfort, builds trust in the information that you're sharing. And I would look at it, opportunities to build unique partnerships or unique collaborations within the community. And we did some of that in breast cancer social media when we had members that actually did presentations in churches about what Twitter was and what what is a hashtag and how I can find information online. So our tweet chat is now over 10 years old. And we still get people that will check in and say, I first learned about BCSM from a church meeting five years ago. <laughs> and I knew that there was a resource for breast cancer. I didn't know that I would ever need it until now. You, you're sort of planting those seeds of understanding, support, trust, and relationship building that I think becomes so important to this information exchange that has to happen. I couldn't agree more. It's why I'm so excited about how the Global Liver Institute's Advanced Advocacy Academy is supercharged this year. Now that we have all of these community organizations on the ground who will be feeding patients into this program in an exponential way so that they can go back into the communities. I think you're right. Teaching people how to use social media, teaching people how to sign into their patient portal, get their labs. If they've participated in a clinical trial, talking to people about what their participation was like. What does it actually look like, feel like? How did it go? What was it like six months into the trial? Did you ever get the information back? And just being able to to have that many more people, to be able to to talk in living rooms, in churches, and and one-on-one. People that know and, and people that they connect with. So, Arming them with a little bit of knowledge is always dangerous, Uh, but a little bit of liver knowledge and some background through the Advanced Advocacy Academy. Now being able to do that in partnership with organizations from across the United States and four countries that we have affiliations with, I'm just really so excited to see what that many patients, even in a virtual room, can do together to talk about creating a culture of research, research that we want to participate in, research that answers the questions we want answered in Nash and stories that we're excited to tell. Let me suggest that one of the things I think what you're talking about and I want to support is that you create a sustainable presence in the community for understanding, understanding health disease and then clinical trials, understanding health disease and prevention, if you can, if whatever, but then not always clinical trials. Clinical trials is a part of it, but the first thing is a sustainable presence in the community for having people with a level of knowledge to understand what it's all about. Because really, the whole issue of clinical trials boils down to people just fear what they don't understand, what they don't know about it. I've been in many situations, I think I told you about it, Don, I've been in a room with 300 African-American women, and me, I think maybe one the mail and they talked to me and they came armed for bear. I mean, why, why, why uh, I was wrong to be advocating for clinical trials. And it, it's really quite pleasant to see the light switch on and when they understand what the issues are, what the health, disease, prevention, and then how clinical trials work with what they have to do with. That should be across the board. And as Jeff was talking about, it really shouldn't be the helicopter doctors to swoop in and then the factory, you know, the line clinical trials. I've seen people who do clinical trials very well. In fact, some of the people we're trying to work with. And I'll mention this, and he'll know who I'm talking about when he, if he hears this podcast. He had a person at his 
front desk director of first impressions or get his, his office. And 99% of the people that did clinical trials with him want to come back and do another clinical trial with him. Because, first of all, it's not always about clinical trials. It's about the best possible care that you can receive and understanding your disease as best. And then clinical trials becomes a part of what you need to do to improve yourself as well as others that may have the conditions that you have. So a sustainable presence is really going to be key if we're going to do it across the board. I absolutely agree with that. Jeff, you've worked in community programs. You've worked with children and families on obesity and across diseases in this preventive health and prevention area before coming into this rarefied advanced liver disease area. So what are your thoughts in terms of really embedding ourselves deeply and sustainably, as we've been talking about, in communities to improve liver health overall? Well, foremost, it's really not that different. What we have now is we are engaging the disease state that is at the end of the path of many of these earlier indicators or behavioral concerns, whether it's lifestyle or nutrition or hereditary things that were not picked up on in early screening in those areas. And so in that way, it's really not that different than the engagement that we have to do there. And I absolutely echo Dr. Powell in terms of when he was speaking about the lack of minority populations and their participation. But I would expand upon that a little bit. We also face this for companies that are doing clinical trials globally to be able to have the sort of cultural competence, if you will, to be able to engage cultures, both linguistically, culturally, however it is, to be able to have them with better participation. COVID has shown that. Donna, as you spoke about in one of your GLI lives on clinical trial continuity during during COVID, it presented challenges. And so what are the things that we can learn from that as we begin to try to approach and embed ourselves in other communities? And frankly, this is not something that is solved overnight. It is a dedicated, patient, patient practice, if you will, where we collaborate and and GLI does, again, I think a phenomenal job of this, of creating programs to empower patients and companies and the stakeholders in the field to work more closely together, to design, to participate, and to share goals, including clinical trials, but also the greater goals. I think it's really easy and has been very easy in the NASH field to get focused on the drug or the FDA or EMA or whatever regulatory shenanigans are going on or the the shiny object of new technologies. But in this NASH centrifuge, if you will, the patient is the center point. It's the main point of commonality around which all NASH stakeholders revolve. And to be able to use an organization such as the Global Liver Institute in collaboration with other organizations, the Canadian Liver Foundation, ASLD, the American College of Sports Medicine, the pharmaceuticals, that there is a bigger process for patients to be involved with because ultimately patients are the goal, not the not the widget that they're working towards. Jeff, I really appreciate you saying that. One of my favorite moments on this podcast was when Joran Schottenberg was asking for, he was trying to figure out how to relate to a family. He's in Germany and the family, I believe, spoke either Arabic or Turkish. And before even talking about the trial, he just needed to talk about Nash with them. And just as we've all been saying, talk about the disease first and their health. And he didn't have anything. And I was like, but wait, we have materials in those languages. So to be able to send a German physician Turkish materials on Nash so that he could talk to the family as a whole about the disease before even thought about how to connect them to a trial. But ultimately, they would participate in that trial. That was really exciting for me. I felt like we were doing really impactful things for the field. And it may be a different answer than people who are saying, well, can you recruit for this trial? But can we create all the 
necessary pieces in the environment in which clinical trial recruitment could be successful? I think if that was the question, we'd come up with better answers. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We will be back next Wednesday, July 28th, with a discussion of comprehensive care models for NASH and comparing what different community models look like and what we can learn about treatment. It's a fascinating topic, a perspective we haven't looked at yet, and we will have with us the lead author of the most recent important paper on this issue, uh, Jeff Lazarus. I hope you join us then. Until then, stay safe, surf on, see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now.